We're going to read from Acts chapter 1. We're going to read verses um, 4 to 8, but we're really going to stop only at verse 8. I am hoping, unless God changed things, that in the next few weeks, we're just going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And um, that's all what we want to share about, okay? So um, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Acts. All right, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. This is um, Jesus, and he, he, he has been raised from the dead, but he has not been ascended up yet. And now he's talking to his disciples, and we read from verse 4, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Um, and being assembled together with them, that's Jesus and his disciples, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. Which he said, um, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had, had come together, they asked they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when you receive, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses um, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Amen. So the context here is pretty clear. Um, Jesus was being ascended immediately after that, after he spoke these things, verse 9 and, and the few verses after that. He was just captured away from them and he was taken into heaven. And sure enough, a few days later, the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost and that promise of the Father was fulfilled. Now Jesus referred to the coming down of the Holy Spirit as the promise of the Father. Anybody knows where in the Old Testament we read that promise? In Joel 2, when God said, I will pour out my spirit uh, on all flesh, that's the promise. I mean, there's many scripture in the Old Testament that refers to that, but that's the most um, prominent one. That's the easier one to remember. And Jesus said, I also mentioned that to you before, and we read about that. I think it's John 16 when Jesus said, I am not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send you another comforter. We were sharing about that in the Bible study earlier today. I'm going to send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who's going to dwell in you and empower you. And then the disciples start asking, oh, is that when the physical kingdom of God is going to come down? And Jesus say, don't worry about that. The times and the seasons which the Father has set in his authority. Let me just pause here, do a side note, and then come back. Remember when Jesus said, I think in Mark, um, no one knows the hour or the day, nor the angels, not even the Son except the Father, right? A lot of people say, hey, here it is. How can Jesus be equal to the Father, equal to God, if he doesn't even know the time or the hour? Here is That verse right here is the answer to it, okay? Because Jesus said that the times and the seasons the Father has set in his own authority. So when Jesus was saying, I don't know the hour, because functionally, 
as far as their jobs or what they can do. The times and the season, that's the father's responsibility, not the son. Nobody else knows that time because this is the function of the father. It doesn't mean that Jesus is lower in his nature than God the Father. Are we good with that? Okay, so that's more the functional side, and that scripture is pretty clear here. The Father has set in his, not nature, but his own authority. So we're talking authorities here, we're talking function, okay, not nature, okay? And then Jesus said, this is up to the Father, that's what he does, that's his job, his authority. He does this, he set up the time and the season, but what you need to do is this. You need to stay in Jerusalem till you receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen to you? You shall receive what? Power. When you receive the Holy Spirit, and then you shall be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, to the utter ends, to the utter ends of the earth. Here's the thing about God, guys. We talk a lot about evangelism the last couple of uh, weeks or so. God never commands us to do something unless he actually empowers us to do it. He's not the God who's like, hey, I'm here, you're there, you need to do what you have to do, and then I will come in. This is not our God. Our God knows that we are too weak to do anything on our own. He never commands us anything unless, unless he gives us the power to do it. Even, even to live a Christian life. You know, in, in Romans chapter 8, hopefully one day we'll look through Romans, the whole book. But it says that we could not live the law of God, the requirement, the righteous requirement of the law of God on our own. But when we could not do it, his son came and dwelled in us. And he, Jesus, in our hearts fulfilled that requirement of God. It's his life in us that helped us to actually live the holy and righteous life. Because we were so weak to do that on our own. Amen? Evangelism is not any difference. Jesus did not say, go and make disciples and say, do it on your own, or you have to strive and make it work yourself. He said, I am going to give you the power to do it. It's not a job that you have to do on your own. I'm supplying the power. I'm supplying everything. All what you have to do is just be willing to follow. I'll take care of everything for you. Amen? Amen. So he said, you shall receive Power when you receive the Holy Spirit, and then you'll be my witnesses everywhere you go. And today, I just want to emphasize that with you a little bit. The power that the Holy Spirit can give. Because quite frankly, this is all what we need, really. The Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit come and move through us. I try to witness a lot, and I tell you the truth. Most of the time, God bless you, brother. Most of the time, I... Witness, I feel like I'm talking to a wall of brick. Maybe if I talk to a wall of brick, there is hope that someday this brick will talk back to me and, you know, change or something. But some people are just, you're talking to them and they just, it's just not registering. We're not communicating. You know why? Because I know for my life, I lack the power of the Holy Spirit. I know that. I'm not, I know the problem, you know, and that's in, in itself slightly a good thing. I know what I need. I need the Holy Spirit. Amen? So let's just show you a couple of examples from the book of Acts of, to show you what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. Amen? Let's flip a couple of chapters. We're going to read from chapter 2, verse 14. Now, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up after the Holy Spirit descended, and he started preaching. 
And this is the message he was sharing pretty much, uh, Acts 2, 14 to 36. I'm going to read the whole thing, okay? But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk. The reason why Peter is saying that is when the Holy Spirit came down, the disciples start speaking in tongues, the Jews around them accuse them of being drunk. So Peter is answering that. These are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servant and on my maiden servant, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth, in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of our Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, you have crucified and put to death. Whom God raised up, having loosened the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow my holy, nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You have made me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up that Christ to sit on the throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul, the soul of Christ, was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, this Jesus God has raised up of which you are all, we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, but he says to himself, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your uh, footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know as surely that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Christ. Amen. Question. 
Anybody here feel anything different than five minutes ago? Do you feel anything different now than five minutes ago, Sister Justina? Yeah. Same? Did you, do you feel any changes right now? Do you feel like, do you feel any different? A little bit. A little bit, okay. A little bit. How about you, Brother Wayne? Do you feel any different than five minutes ago before I start reading that passage? Not a whole lot. I mean, not me neither. How about you, Sister uh, Barb? Any different than five minutes ago? Yeah. Not really. This is exactly what I wanted to prove to you guys. These, I, I read for you, word for word, what Peter said under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The only difference is because Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and power. These words cut through 3,000 people's hearts and 3,000 people got converted that day and joined the church. I told you the exact same words that Peter uttered word for word. I even dramatized it for you so I can have more effect. What happened? Nothing. Do you guys see how badly we need the Holy Spirit? You getting me? This is how badly we need the Holy Spirit. Because it doesn't matter. The words can be very simple. But if the anointing of the Holy Spirit is there, things will happen. And if the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not there, guess what's going to happen? Nothing going to happen. You shall receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can use very simple words that we say. But if it's anointed... If he's in it, it can do miracles. And if he's not in it, we can present the most intellectual, logical presentations of the gospel. And guess what's going to happen? Nothing. Do you know what we need now? It is not more strategies about evangelism. It is not more methods of how to reach people. It is not more cultural sensitive ways of reaching people with the gospel. All what we need is just one person and his name is the Holy Spirit. If we have him, that's all what we need. If we don't have him, we can try and try and try till the cows come home. Guess what's going to happen? Nothing. We shall receive power. This is what Jesus said. You shall receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. Let's flip a couple of more chapters. Chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Acts 5, 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly, increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Believers increasingly added multitudes of both men and women, so that this is how crazy it was. So that this is the epic of the move of the Holy Spirit. They brought, they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on, in, on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by would fall on them. The shadow of Peter falling by uh, can fall on them. Also to the multitude gathered from the surrounding cities in Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirit, and they all were what? Healed. They will bring the sick people in bed and couches, lay them in the streets. Not that Peter can spend hours and hours and hours praying and trying to rebuke the sicknesses. Oh, what we have 
Peter had to do is just walk by and his shadow just can fall on them and the sick will just rise from the bed. Do you guys see what the power of the Holy Spirit can do? We bring, uh, there is a lot of people who teach you about how to heal the sick or, you know, healing or whatever and say, you got to interview the person and you got to pray with them and then ask them, do you feel any different? And then if they say yes, what is the percentage? Is it 30%? Is it 40%? Okay, 40%. Okay, that's good. Let's pray a little bit more. Okay, now at 60%. I mean, it can be valid. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about this. I don't know. But I know one thing for sure. If the Holy Spirit is in it, you don't even need to do anything. How many of you guys have a shadow? Shadow. Every one of us has a shadow. If there's light. <laughs> if there is light, absolutely. But there is no Holy Spirit. I'm not saying you don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't have it either. I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm just saying we have a problem. We don't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if the power of the Holy Spirit is among us, then the shadow... Our shadow can heal the sick. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That very Jesus who had the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the shadow of Peter is still alive and well today. He hasn't changed, has he? Right? He said you shall receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. The shadow of Peter has more anointing of the Holy Spirit than all of us put together. You shall receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. Let's read one more example. Acts chapter um, 10, 34. Acts 10, 34. Acts 10, 34. Now, the context here is that Peter was invited to the house of a guy called Cornelius, who was a Gentile. That's the very first Gentile, non-Jewish believer who came to Christianity. So that's the context here. Peter went there by an invitation from God, and he's going to preach. That's Acts 10.34. Let's read that. Then Peter opened his mouth. Peter at the house of Cornelius is about to preach, okay, and said... In truth, I, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works for righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That, that word, you know, uh, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism of, of John, that which John preached, Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we all witnesses um, of all the things which he did both in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem. whom Whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up from the third day. In the third day he showed him openly. Not to all people but to Uh, witnesses chosen before by God, even to us, uh, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he, uh, he he is the one who is ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. Now look at verse 44. 
While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And they all start speaking in tongues. And Cornelius and all his household were saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and the whole thing. But do you see what the Bible says in verse 44? While Peter was still preaching, the Holy Spirit didn't even wait for Peter to finish his I mean, it's a good message. It's a good sermon. But it's for the Holy Spirit, he's like, just get out of the way. I want to already save these people. The Holy Spirit was so eager to save people. He didn't even wait for Peter to finish his message. You know, if the Holy Spirit empower us and infill us, then guess what? We don't even need to say much. Because the Holy Spirit will be there. People can be just driving by the church and the power of the Holy Spirit hit them. They get here already saved. Already filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, the holy thing. Because the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is not, doesn't need our boring messages. He doesn't. He just needs our broken hearts. Peter was still preaching when the Holy Spirit fell. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. You guys see that if we have the anointing, everything will happen. Now, think about Cornelius. This guy, okay, he was seeking God. He was searching for him, but he didn't know him. God was speaking to him and preparing him. But when the Holy Spirit came, everything changed. The theology that we have was just out of the window. Oh, they must be saved first. Then they can be filled with the Holy Spirit. They might or might not speak in tongues. All this theology that we have was just out of the window when the Holy Spirit came. Amen? Jesus said, you shall receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. Let's read the last example from Acts 19. Acts 19.11. Now look at this. Acts 19.11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. Okay, hold on one second here. The Bible said that God did what? Unusual miracles by the hand of Paul, right? Isn't that a little bit like oxymoron? I don't understand why do we have the word unusual in that phrase. Miracles by nature are unusual, correct? They're outside of our realm. They're, they're supernatural to us. But what the Bible's saying here, that even in the realm of the supernatural miracles, what Paul was doing is considered supernatural even to that realm. Do you see that? So we have here our natural realm. Then we have the miracle side, the supernatural realm. And then Paul was functioning even on a higher realm. Unusual miracles. Miracles that considered miraculous in the, in the miracle world. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? God did unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. Give us an example. Here it is. Verse 12. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them. Paul didn't even need to be there in presence, didn't even need to lay hand on them, didn't even need to rebuke the diseases or the sicknesses or spend half an hour interviewing the patient and try to get them healed. All what is needed to be done is that tissues or handkerchiefs or aprons from his body will be brought in. He can be, for what we know, in, in, in a different state and his handkerchiefs is healing the sick in Maryland or healing the sick in, in, in California. 
they would bring in uh, handkerchiefs and aprons were from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Wow. This is what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. We don't need to struggle to get people saved. But we need to struggle with the Holy Spirit that he will touch us and move in us. Because if we have the Holy Spirit, we have all what we need. After that, we don't even need to do much. Your, your word can get thousands of people saved. Just tissues or aprons or handkerchiefs out of your body can heal the sick. Your shadow can fall on people who are just laying in bed and they will stand up and walk. This is what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. Do you guys see what is the single need that we have right now? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? When I was at Regent, one of the very few phrases that is stuck in my mind is this. When it comes to doing work with God, let God do the heavy lifting. Does that make sense? When it comes to working with God, let God do the heavy lifting. You don't have to, you know, hey God, I got this. Let me, let me bear that. Burden, I'll take care of it. Because you can't. But let God do the heavy work. Be smart about it, you know. Use God in a way, you know. Just, people are just blind. They're hard-hearted. They're not going to receive the gospel. Do you know what we need to do? We need to have God do all the hard work. We need to pray and see God's face so hard. So that when we go there, all what we have to say is just, Jesus died on the cross for your salvation. And then we like, what do I need to do so I can be saved? Just like the day of Pentecost. Or... We just can be passing by and the Holy Spirit will just fall on them. They get convicted for their sins even without speaking. While we're still talking to them and sharing the gospel, God will say, just get out of the way. I am so eager to get them saved. Because we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. If, any, if one thing we need is the Holy Spirit. Amen? This... Uh, Chinese uh, church leader came to the United States one time. God is doing a massive, mighty move, massive revival happening in China. And he came one time to visit the American church. And then on the way back uh, in the airport or so, the pastor who was hosting him, he asked him what he thinks about the spirituality of the American church. Uh, and this is what, his, this what was his answer. He said, I am amazed at what the American church can accomplish without the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. I am amazed at what the American church can accomplish without the Holy Spirit. Hard, isn't it? But it's the truth. We in general, as the American church, obviously us as a congregation, including myself, we don't have the anointing of God. We don't have the power of God. The church in general, and instead of recognizing that we have a problem, we don't have the anointing and the power of God. And instead of seeking God and go broken before him and interceding with him, that he would just pour out his spirit and save people. And instead of seeking the Holy Spirit, the one thing that we need, we decided to do something different. We decided to uh, compromise the gospel a little bit so maybe people will join us this way. And instead of doing the hard work of interceding and praying and crying out to God, we decided to take matter of our own hands. So we have churches now that has coffee, shop, coffee shops in the foyers. 
<laughs> you know, so you can just come, enjoy a cup of Starbucks, take your popcorn in the sanctuary, you know, whatever it takes so we can attract the people. Bernhard Bonke is the greatest evangelist I've known of, and this is what he said. He said, nothing against coffee and donuts, but the more Holy Spirit we have, the less coffee and donuts we will need. Amen? We have ministries and mega churches, and all what the pastor is preaching is just feel-good, self-help, man-centered messages, hoping that this message will attract people into their churches. And sadly enough, it's actually happening. People do come, and people are attracted to these churches that Christ is not even being proclaimed. Joel Osteen, the star of 21st American Christianity, the motto of his ministry is, discover the champion in you. Joyce Meyer enjoying every day's life. I'm picking on these two just because they're too large to, so they can be more noticed. But you can go across the board to almost, I would say, almost every American that church that I have been to. And it's all the same sickening mindset. Let's just try to attract people in and instead of convicting people by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have cutting-edge stages, cutting-edge bands, and trying to make it as cool as possibly can. A lot of churches, come join us. We're fun, enjoyable, and, and cool. And there is no anointing, and there is no anxious of the Holy Spirit in that place. I tell you, I'm glad that our building is 50 years old. And I'm glad that our carpet doesn't look good. I'm glad that I'm wearing a tie and I'm going to be wearing a three-piece suit. You know why? Because I want people to come here because of one thing. The Holy Spirit is here. It is not because I'm looking cool and hip. It is not because the church building is so fancy that people are just so attracted to it. It's not because we have the best programs in the neighborhood. I want people, if they come to join this place, it's because of one thing. The presence of God is in this place. Amen. Amen. And just in the days of Elijah, when he was in the mountain Carmel, he had the false prophet of Baal standing on one side, he's standing on the other side, and he had the prophets of Baal keep praying and seeking their God and nothing happened. And then when it came to Elijah's turn, guess what he did? He's like, just pour water on the sacrifice. And then pour more water in the sacrifice. And more and more water on the sacrifice. And people around him is like, Elijah, are you nuts? Don't you know that even if there is a slight fire, that this water will just quench it? But Elijah actually knew that when the fire of God falls down, no water can stand in the way. Amen? And friends, this is what we need. We need the fire of God in our midst. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Until that, until that happens, guess what's going to happen? Absolutely nothing. But the good news is this. The good news is this. What did Jesus say about the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit? He said, it is the what? The promise of the Father. This is God's promise. Not only to the early disciples, but to all Christians all time. The question is, do we really need that power? How desperate we are for it. Amen? Let's all close our eyes and pray.